Shoo. I pressed the start button. <laughs> so it's quite a challenge because everything's sort of just balanced, you know. So welcome to um, welcome to Sunday Night Local. I couldn't remember what the name was, but Sunday Night Local. It's Sunday night and we are local. Local to Family Church, Waterlooville. So all the ladies, all the mothers, mother-in-laws, I hope you've had a fantastic Mother's Day. Um, that you were treated well, that you were blessed beyond measure. And um, fathers, you're up next, okay? Your turn next. But um, I'm just so excited about a word that God has laid on my heart uh, for tonight. And so I want you to get your get pen and paper ready and get your Bible ready because I want you to see something in your own Bible tonight. So get your Bible ready and open it at 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Um, open your Bible there because I want you to see something. If you've got a little marker, um, like a bookmark, also open your Bible to Romans chapter 12. So look at Romans chapter 12 and 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And we're going to just jump straight in. Okay, fasten your safety belt. Fasten your seatbelt. We're ready for liftoff. Are you ready? Great. Let's just jump straight in. So we're speaking about the believer's toolbox. And specifically, the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit. And now tonight, we still aren't actually going to start breaking down those gifts. We're still laying a foundation, but what I've got to share tonight, I really feel is so important and really, really relevant. But just to summarize what we spoke about last Sunday night, um, we, we looked at the, the, the work of the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. And remember, we were looking at um, how the artisans were filled with the Holy Spirit when they were building the tabernacle. And we looked at Joshua, we looked at Gideon, we looked at Samson, um, and a few of the others. We, so we looked at the work of the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. We saw the work of the Holy Spirit in the Gospels with Jesus. Um, we saw the work of the Holy Spirit in parts of the New Testament, very briefly. We looked at that. And we saw last week that, you know, I hope I didn't rattle too many cages by saying that, you know, Jesus didn't walk around on earth with uh, zapping people with superpowers, okay? The Bible says very clearly in Acts chapter 10 verse 38, speaks about how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. And we know when we see the words Jesus of Nazareth, we're speaking about Jesus the man in his humanity. God anointed Jesus the man with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil for God was with him. And we see in Philippians chapter 2, I won't go there now but I'll just Read from, read from Philippians 2. In the New Living Translation, it sort of summarizes it quite nicely. It says, talking about Jesus, it says, though he was God, he did not think of, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. 
talking about Jesus. When he ministered on this earth, he ministered as a man. He lay aside his deity. He ministered on the earth as a man, anointed by the Holy Spirit. And we know that Jesus only went around doing um, what the Father told him to do and saying what the Father told him to say. He was always, whatever he did, was to glorify the Father. That was Jesus's purpose. That was his, that was his purpose, was to glorify, bring glory to the Father. So whether he was raising the dead or whether he was feeding the 5,000 in any of the miracles that he did, he was displaying the goodness and the grace and the goodness and the favor of God the Father. And we see in John's gospel, in what's known as Jesus's high priestly prayer in John 17, these are the words of Jesus. He prays to the Father and he says, as you, Father, have sent me, Jesus, into the world, I also have sent them into the world. This is Jesus praying for us as believers. And Jesus is praying to the Father and saying, as you sent me, Father, into this world, as a man, anointed by the Holy Spirit, I send them. Jesus sends us into this world. So we're to be like Jesus, like that scripture in Philippians 2. It says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. So when we walk on this earth, we are to minister as children of God, filled with the Holy Spirit. Not just sealed with the Holy Spirit, but filled with the Holy Spirit. So we looked at the work of the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament, the Gospels, the New Testament. And tonight we're going to look at the gifts of the Holy Spirit operating in the church. So for this purpose, we're going to look at a lot of scripture in first, mostly 1 Corinthians 12, 1 Corinthians 14 and Romans 12. So I know you've got two places opened. So if you look in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 12, it says here, For as the body is one, and has many members, but all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. As the body is one and has many members. Just drop down a few verses, 1 Corinthians 12 verse 20. But now indeed there are many members, but one body. Drop down a little bit further, verse 27. Now you are the body of Christ and members individually. In fact, it says it in another verse as well. So we know repetition means significance. God is saying something here and he's saying we are the body of Christ. As believers in Jesus Christ, we are the body of Christ. There's one body, but many members. And each member has a part to play. You're not here by accident. You're not here by incident. Okay. God has a plan and a purpose and a function for you within his body. Your life matters. Okay. Your life matters. He sets the members in the body of Christ. God sets the members 
in, into the body of Christ for a purpose and with a purpose. Each one, every single person is, use, is useful, regardless of your age, regardless of your color, regardless of your nationality, your accent. None of that is important, regardless male, female, Bible talks about Scythian, slave or free. It doesn't matter. God has a plan and a purpose for your life. If you woke up this morning and you did not have a white chalk mark around your body, that means you are alive. And if you are alive, God has a plan and a purpose for you in the body of Christ. So you need to find where you fit. Okay, so 1 Corinthians 12 verses 4 to 7. Are you still with me? I hope so. Listen to what it says in verses 4 to 7. It says, there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit, capital S. He goes on, there are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. There are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. And then in verse 7 he goes on and he says, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one. Now we're talking here about the body of Christ. The manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one in the body for the profit of all. It's so important to realize how the importance of the church, the importance that you find your place in the body of Christ. It's not a spiritual Sainsbury's. We don't go here for a little bit here and a little bit here. Be committed to the local church. Be committed, people, because God wants to set you where he wants you. There's a place for you, not to pick a bit here and a pick, pick a bit there, but to be firmly established within the body of Christ. So there is only one God, though, who works through the gifts. And you know what? For, for the purposes of preaching and teaching, what we do, we try to simplify things. And what we do is we separate, um, you know, we sort of we separate the gifts of the Spirit, that there's nine gifts. It's just for teaching purposes. We separate the gifts of the Spirit. We separate the fruits of the Spirit. We separate everything. We, 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 it's just to make it easier for us. But in effect, actually, they all work together. In Ephesians chapter 4, there's a thing in, there's a, there's a thing in, you might have heard of it, it's called the ministry gifts. Or it's also known, they're also known as ascension gifts. Because these are the gifts that Jesus gave to the church after he ascended on high. And or else they're known as the fivefold ministry gifts because there are five gifts, they are offices. And listen to what it says. It says in Ephesians 4, 11 and 12, I'm going somewhere, okay? I am going somewhere. He says, and he himself, that's Jesus, gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. So there's the fivefold ministry gifts. Reason. Why, does he, why did Jesus give us these gifts? I'm glad you asked. He goes on, he says, For the equipping of the saints 
for the equipping. We are the saints in the church. For the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. That's the purpose. That is your purpose. Believer, that is your purpose, is to do the work of the ministry and to edify the body of Christ. And that's the purpose. That's what God has a plan and a purpose for you. And that's, that is it, apart from whatever else he has for you, but that is the main objective. So listen to this in 1 Corinthians 12, verses 27 to 30. It says, Now you are the body of Christ and members individually. We read that. Verse 28. And he goes on and he says, And God has pointed these in the church. First apostles, second prophets, third teachers. So we know those three offices come from the ministry gifts in Ephesians chapter 4. After that, he goes on, he says, after that, miracles, then gifts of healing. Hang on. Those are two of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Then he goes on, helps, administrations, varieties of tongues. So now he's going, helps and administrations and varieties of tongues. And he goes on, he says, are all apostles? The answer is no. Are all prophets? The answer is no. Are all teachers? Are all workers of miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? And before you say, you see, there it is, there it is, that's why tongues are no more. No, he's talking about the gift of tongues, which we will get to next week. Um, do all interpret? And the answer is no, but fantastic. I love this. I love this. This is such a mixture of ministry gifts, ministry offices, those fivefold ministry gifts, spiritual gifts, the nine spiritual gifts. He mentions a few of them there. And he even includes helps and administrations. It's like this big juicer. You know, the, where, where you make these, um, these blenders, where you make these fantastic juices and all full of healthy things, but they blended together. And so for the sake of teaching, we always break these things down. But God, he sees the bigger picture and he pulls it all together. And he says, you've got apostles, you've got prophets, you've got teachers. You've got a guy flowing in the gifts of, um, gift of healing. You've got somebody with tongues. You've got somebody doing interpretation of tongues. You've got helps. You've got administration. You've got kids church. You've got worship team. You've got everything coming together. Go to Romans chapter 12. Are you still with me? Romans chapter 12, verses 4 to 8. Here he goes again. And he says, For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function. There, is, we, we, there are different functions. So we, being many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. So there's unity but not uniformity. We're not all called to do the same thing, okay? So being many, uh, sorry, verse, verse 6, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. We're going to come back to this. In proportion to our faith. 
or ministry, let, let us use it in our ministering. He who teaches in teaching. He who exhorts in exhortation. He who gives with liberality. He who leads with diligence. He who shows mercy with cheerfulness. What's it all saying? Actually, the New Living says, in his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. That's what the New Living translation says. But here again, we see the Apostle Paul, the same writer from Corinthians and Romans. We see him mixing up these ministry gifts, the spiritual gifts, the administration gifts. And I love it. He even takes some of the fruit of the Spirit, mercy, you know, showing mercy, he in cheerfulness, he takes the fruit of the Spirit and he includes outworkings of the fruit of the Spirit that's been formed. So as a result of the Holy Spirit at work in some of the people's lives, there's an outworking, there's an activity of generosity, of just wanting to give, to be a cheerful giver. There's cheerfulness, there's leadership, there's exhortation. The ministry gifts, those fivefold ministry gifts, are given to the church by Jesus. The spiritual gifts are given to the church by the Holy Spirit. So whether it's exhorting or giving or leading or showing mercy, these are an outworking of the effects of a believer's life that is yielded to the leading of the Holy Spirit. And you know what, child of God? God wants to use you. He wants to use you. Yes, you. I'm pointing to you. Why don't you point to yourself right now and say, say after me, God wants to use me. Now you know what I'm going to say, so now say it again. God wants to use me. He wants to use me. So, good news. If you just said that, if you want to be used by God in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, I want to tell you tonight there are going to be three key ingredients. The first ingredient is unity. Now, don't say, oh, here we go again. Here's a whole message on unity. No, there is unity. There's always, that's what we aspire to. That's what we promote is unity in the body of Christ. But in this instance, what I'm speaking about, about unity, is your unity with God and his word. That's the unity that I'm speaking about here. Romans 12 verse 6 says, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. So the gifts of the Holy Spirit are just that. They are gifts and gifts have to be received. And the way we appropriate those gifts is by faith. It's like salvation. We are saved by grace, through faith in Jesus Christ. So how do you know you're saved? How do you actually know that you are saved? By faith. 
You believe it by faith. The same thing. That's why it's so important. The same with the gifts. We cannot earn them. If, if we could earn them, they wouldn't be called gifts. They'd be called rewards. But they're called gifts. We can't earn them. And they're given to us believers. And it's as the Spirit wills. We cannot produce the gifts ourselves. Okay, we just cannot. We cannot switch them on, turn them on, turn them off. It's always as the Holy Spirit wills because He knows what's needed at the time. He knows what's, what's required. But we appropriate these, these gifts by faith. So it's like grace is the engine, but the faith are the gears that drives the engine. So grace is the engine, but faith are the gears Faith is, faith are the gears that drive the engine. The two things we need to know about that is to stay out of neutral and don't go into reverse. Okay, we've got to keep our faith alive, keep it active, be sharp, people. So the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will not force any of the gifts on you if you resist him. That's why I'm talking about unity. Okay, it's unity, believing God, believing what his word says. But he will not force these gifts on you if you resist him. So when the Holy Spirit prompts us with a gift, we should step out in faith and obedience. We just have to be learn how to be sensitive to his prompting. But everything has to be done by faith. It's all done by faith. Holy Spirit doesn't force us. He urges us. He prompts us. The Bible says you have an unction from the Holy One. There's that unction on the inside of you. But the way we, the, what we need to do is respond in faith. Get our, get, our, get our faith into gear and respond. Take that step. But remember that your spirit, your spirit, not the Holy Spirit, but your spirit is always subject to your will. And the Holy Spirit will never override your will. He will not force you to do anything or to say anything. You know what? I've, I've, I've seen, I've heard some people who've said, um, oh, I couldn't help it. Um, I just said so-and-so. I just said such-and-such. Such. I couldn't help it. The Holy Spirit just took over. Well, I'm sorry, but I don't, that's not quite biblical. The Holy Spirit does not force his way over you. He will not override your will. We have to be willing. We have to respond and we have to take a step of faith. And the, the gifts of the Spirit are not there for anybody to look great, okay? The, it's not about being the man of the hour with more power, none of that stuff, but they for every believer to enable us and to empower us to minister effectively. I love what 1 Corinthians 14 verse 40 says, let everything be done decently and in order. There's no chaos with the Holy Spirit, okay? God is the one who calls into ministry. Jesus is the one who ordained the ministry gifts, those fivefold ministry gifts. So if the pastor is preaching, God will not short circuit the service and cause somebody to operate in a gift of the Spirit and speak over what the pastor's trying to say. That would be absolute 
chaos. The, the God is not confused. 1 Corinthians 14.33 says, God is not the author of confusion, but of peace. And I saw this for the first time the other day. And it says, as in all the churches of the saints. So we're going to stick to the middle ground here. As in all the churches of the saints, God is not the author of confusion, but of peace. God will never interrupt himself. Okay, he's not confused. So we've looked at unity. The next key ingredient to the gifts, love. You know, it's straight after Paul had written those scriptures in 1 Corinthians 12 about members of the body being one body. He follows on with this. And this is when I want you to, open, to look at your Bible in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 31. Up until then, he's talking, the Apostle Paul is talking about now you are the body of Christ and members individually and that type of scripture that we read out earlier. But if you go to the end bit there, verse 31, it says, But earnestly desire the best gifts, and yet I show you a more excellent way. And then he starts 1 Corinthians 13. Now, when the Bible, when Paul wrote this, he didn't actually write 1 Corinthians 13. The, 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 the chapters and the verses were only added for convenience in the 13th century and I'm glad they were placed there because it makes it so much easier for referencing. So what we need to do is sometimes just forget about the fact that it says chapter and verse because that's not how Paul didn't write it like okay this is the love chapter you know I'm writing now the love chapter. He didn't do that he just he was writing under inspiration of the Holy Spirit the stuff was just flowing out of him. I was just Chris and I were talking about this earlier today and we were just saying how amazing can you just imagine picture the Apostle Paul inspired writing these beautiful beautiful letters to to the different churches and anyway so I digress but he says but earnestly desire the best gifts and yet I show you a more excellent way though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels but have not love I have become sounding brass and a clanging cymbal. Love is the key factor. Love is the key thing. Same thing happens in Romans chapter 12 when we, the scripture that we read earlier about one body, many members. He follows on the very next verse, chapter, uh, chapter 12, verse 9. He says, Let love be without hypocrisy, abhor what is evil, cling to what is good. And he goes on and he says, be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love, in honor giving preference to one another. So within the whole body, whether we're looking at fruit, whether we're looking at gifts, we're looking at spiritual gifts, whether we're looking at the motivation of our heart, it all works by love. Our motivation has to be love. If you go to your 1 Corinthians 13, I love this. 1 Corinthians 13, the very last verse in 1. So 1 Corinthians 13 is the love chapter. And we're going to come, we'll do a whole session on the love chapter. But in the last verse of 1 Corinthians 13, he says, And now abide 
faith, hope, and love. These three. But the greatest of these is love. Next verse. Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts. I think it's, it's quite evident that throughout these scriptures you can see there's a thread, the thread of love. You know, you, you, we read the book of Revelation and we see, um, you know, the, um, the Apostle John on the Isle of Patmos has this revelation and, and, and Jesus speaks to him and he, st and he starts addressing the different churches and he says in, in, in Revelation chapter 2, he, he addresses the church in Ephesus. And he says about Ephesus, he says, you know what, you've done a host of good things. You, you, you've persevered, you've labored, you've not become wearied, but you've lost your first love. You know what, it's so easy to get busy with the work of the Lord and miss the Lord of the work. It's so important that we don't lose our first love. The next chapter in Revelation chapter 3, Jesus addressing the church in Laodicea. And he says, you know what? You, you're lukewarm. And I'm gonna, I would rather you be burning hot or ice cold, but don't be in between. Don't be lukewarm. He says, I'll vomit you out of my mouth. I mean, my word, that's quite um, descriptive. But, it's a, but what it is, it's a call to the church to return to the first love. So I want to challenge you tonight. Are you walking in love? You know what, maybe you're called to exhort and encourage others, but what's the motivation of your heart? Is it love? We've just been doing the, um, um, the um, evangelism course, Soul Winner. When, you, when, you, when you're witnessing to people, what is the motivation of your heart? It's got to be love. Whether we, when we, we, we're giving our tithes and our offering, what's the motivation of our heart? You know what, if, if your motivation is, oh, the church, they're always after my money, please don't give. Please don't give with an, with an attitude like that. We don't want your money, okay? We don't want your money. God wants your heart. He wants your heart. That's what he wants. But that's no excuse not to tithe, okay? That's for another day. But, we, but God wants your heart. But we've got to be walking in love. Galatians 5, 6 says, Faith works by love. And all of the gifts operate by faith. They operate by faith. Love is the driving force behind our faith and if you remove or diminish that love faith will cease to be what it should be it's just noise it's just that clanging bell and sometimes you know what when we do a bit of a, a do a bit of a check in our hearts like am i walking in love am i really am, am i am i really walking in love here sometimes we, we realize, oh, hang on, maybe I'm coming up a bit short here. Um, and then what do we do? We try and become more loving. 
bless God, <laughs> you know what, it doesn't work. It just doesn't work. What I would suggest, if you feel that you're coming up short in, in, in loving people and loving what you're doing, and um, what I would suggest, if you're finding yourself hard and crusty, immerse yourself in the Word of God, which speaks about the love of God, the love that God has for you and just marinate in that just man just let it permeate every part of you because the thing is you can't give what you don't have you've got to receive the love you can't sort of psych yourself up to have love to be love just learn who God what God says about you how much he loves you and allow that just marinate in it marinate in it just soak it in and allow that love of God to, to just permeate you. Be rooted and grounded in the love of God. You know, so not only though are we the body of Christ. Something else I wanted to throw in here. We're not just the body of Christ. We are the bride of Christ. And you know what? When I got married to Chris, um, I, I was no longer a McLeod until... We got married, I was a McLeod, and he was a Hoskins. When we got married, I changed my surname to Hoskins. And um, the same when I accepted Jesus Christ into my life, into my heart, I became, what the Bible says, is a new creature. You know, he, he talks about in Colossians 1.13 how we've been translated from the, from the power of darkness and translated into the kingdom of the Son of His love. We, we've gone from darkness to light, from death to life. From sinner to saint. As a born again child of God, you are a Christian, 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 Christian. You're a Christian. And that word Christ isn't Jesus' surname, it means um, the anointed one. So Christ is not Jesus' surname, Christ means anointed. And as a Christian, you are a little anointed one you're a follower of Jesus Christ anointed filled sealed overflowing with the Holy Spirit of God so as born-again believers we're no longer dating we're not just dating the Lord we are his bride we are committed to him we're married to him we have his name we have his nature we have his spirit within us and, but we need to learn how to yield to that wonderful Holy Spirit, how to respond to Him. I, you know, I don't believe that, that the gifts of the Spirit will manifest very much through those who are just sort of dating the Lord, those that are lukewarm, that um, Jesus was speaking about in Revelation chapter 3. We need to we, 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 meet, we need to make sure that our hose pipe, you know that we like this hose pipe, a conduit, that we need to make sure that that hose pipe is clean, that this it's clear, that there's nothing blocking it, that we are a pure channel for God to use. So don't allow that hose pipe to get clogged with dirt. Don't become entangled with the affairs of this world. Don't become entangled in the stuff of the world. Man, it will draw you in. It will suck you in. It will suck the life out of you. Don't get entangled with the affairs of this life. Keep your heart clean. Keep your heart pure. Because out of it flow the issues 
of life. So we're talking about love. But another thing, keep strife out of your life. Don't give the devil a foothold. Keep strife out of your life. 1 Thessalonians uh, 5 verses 19 to 22 says, Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies. Test all things. Hold fast what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. Get strife. Strife is evil. Get it out of your life. Don't give it place. Don't give that devil a foothold. Keep strife out of your life. And he says there, do not quench the spirit. That word quench means to extinguish, to, to suppress, to stifle. Listen to what the Amplified actually says. He says, do not depreciate prophetic revelations or despise inspired instruction. We're not called to depreciate and despise the things of God. No, man, we need to do some esteeming. We need to do some desiring. The gifts of the Spirit are prized. They are highly valuable. They are precious. They are precious. Who wouldn't want... You know what prophecy is? Prophecy is foretelling, not foretelling, foretelling the heart of God, the mind of God. Who wouldn't want to know God's thoughts? Let's not despise them. Let's not depreciate them, devalue them. No, we're going to desire them. So that's my third and final point. I'm coming into land right now. So my first point, the three key ingredients. First point, unity. Believe God. Believe his word. Be unified in, with God, with his word, with what he says. Number two, love. Let love be the motivating factor. And number three, desire. Verse 1 Corinthians 12, 31 says, but earnestly desire the best gifts. 1 Corinthians 14, 1, pursue love and desire spiritual gifts. Desire them, desire them. 1 Corinthians 14, 39, therefore brethren, desire earnestly to prophesy. I think, the, I think Paul's saying something here. I think he's saying desire. Desire the gifts. Desire the gifts. Earnestly desire. That means burn with zeal. Man, you know what? If you catch fire, people come and watch you burn. But burn with zeal. Burn with passion. Be zealous in the pursuit of the things of God. Be zealous in the gifts of God. Be, be zealous. Be be. be burning with zeal strive after strive after the gifts of spirit of gifts of the spirit because they offer the profit of all that they, they will benefit the hearer even the unbelievers will will can repent as a result of the gifts of the spirit in in, in action it's for the profit of all 2 timothy 1 6 um, the Apostle Paul writing to Timothy, he says, I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through which is in you through the laying on of my hands. The passion says it beautifully. He says, I'm writing to encourage you to fan into a flame and re 
rekindle the fire of the spiritual gift God imparted to you. You can't say it better. Fan into a flame and rekindle the fire of the spiritual gift God imparted to you. Stoke that fire. We, we've got this little bucket that holds, it says, kindling wood. And what it is, it's just these little pieces of wood that we put into our fireplace to, to stoke the fire. It's all it needs. It's almost, they, 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 they're small, they're little pieces of kindling. But add some kindling and fan into flame, fan into flame that gift that is in you. You know what? You do the desiring, God will do the firing. God will do the firing. So I hope that this has blessed you tonight. I hope that you are stirred in your heart, that, that you're going to take time, go read some of these scriptures during the week. Just spend some time seeking God as well. Stir up that gift of God that is within you. Fan into flame. Restoke that fire. Add some kindling wood to, 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 to your belly. And um, watch what God does in you and through you. We're going to continue. We're going to jump into the actual gifts of the Spirit next week. We'll see you same time, same place, this time next week. God bless you.